Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Good morning. morning. Can everybody hear me or is this picking me up? Yes. Okay. Um, I uh, got the invitation from Ophelia to come and preach today on uh, the Sunday after Easter. And uh, the Sunday after Easter, uh, I'm a retired United Methodist pastor. And the Sunday after Easter was one that uh, I know a lot of my fellow pastors took off because after Easter, you're exhausted, right? Uh, seven weeks of Lent, every Wednesday night of service, every, you know. Um, but I never did because I used the Sunday after Easter to celebrate an old tradition called um, Holy Humor Sunday or Holy Hilarity Sunday. Have any of you ever experienced that? It's particularly fun to experience in a, you know, in a fairly traditional um, congregation. Um, that's where it, it comes in most handy because you're, you're, you know, you're kind of preaching to the frozen chosen. <laughs> and um, so they're just used to being serious, of course, with me in the pulpit, things were never too serious, but, um, but you know, they're just um, used, used to being kind of serious in church. And so that would be a fun day that we would um, have people wear funny hats or wigs, um, dress up funny. My first one, the choir uh, came, instead of in choir robes, came in bathrobes. And um, we did the whole service backwards. So we had the benediction at the start and we had the, the procession at the end. It was, it was a fun time. And so after that, I was hooked and would do that every year. And so that's why I'm wearing um, this sweatshirt. And I don't know if folks at home can read this, but it, there is a, it's a congregation of spotted dogs and the pastor is at the pulpit saying, and he said unto them, no, no, bad dogs. <laughs> and the caption says, hellfire and Dalmatians. <laughs> and that kind of um, is not only funny, but represents to me what has been wrong with a lot of our religion that it hasn't been about love, which is what I think Jesus was all about, that it's been about fear, it's been about punishment, it's been about um, taking people down a peg, it's been about excluding people. That's what's been wrong with a lot of churching, with a lot of uh, religion, And instead, 
we have a new approach to things here at Hope Gateway. Uh, we're not about that kind of religion here. We are about something wonderful, and the title of this sermon is Resurrecting Love. And resurrecting love is um, both a noun and a verb. Uh, there's probably some other, uh, like, and, 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 and I'm not very good at uh, grammar. My grammar is actually quite good, because I read a lot, so I got used to how the things were said the right way. But, um, but resurrecting love is something that we receive, and resurrecting love is what we are about. That's our task. That's our work. That's what we're here to do. And that's what we go out into the world to do, is to resurrect love. Love is what it's all about. We have two scriptures today. One is uh, from the Gospel according to John, from chapter 20 verses 19 through 23. And that was the one, the story that we were hearing about before in the children's message. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the authorities, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. And our second scripture is from 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let's love each other, because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love doesn't know God, because God is love. And notice that scripture says, the person who doesn't love doesn't know God. It doesn't mean that the person who doesn't love doesn't have God. Because everyone has God. And everyone is loved by God. If they don't love, they probably just don't know it. They may even be able to say it, but they don't know it. When you know you are loved by God, when you know the love of God, experience it, it has to come out of you. It has to be shared. So those who don't love don't know God, but they have God. And what is resurrecting love? 
I've decided that love is exactly what the resurrection is all about. That that's what made it happen. What made it happen was love. You know, the only story I can think of in the scriptures where Jesus brings someone back from the dead, resurrects someone, it's someone that he loves. That whole story about Lazarus and his sisters, it's somebody Jesus loves. That's the key ingredient. That's what resurrects. That's what transforms death into life. That's what transforms broken into restored and healed. That's what Jesus' resurrection is about is about the love that never left him. Bringing back life. And the reason that um, this was a perfect Sunday for me to preach and preach on resurrecting love is because I just finished reading a wonderful book by the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis And the title of the book is Fierce Love, a bold path to ferocious courage and rule-breaking kindness that can heal the world. Does that sound familiar at all? Because if this isn't your first time at Hope Gateway, it should. Because that's what this community is all about. Ferocious courage and rule-breaking kindness that can heal the world. Love resurrects. Love brings back from the dead. I want to read to you a little bit from this book. And she focuses on three kinds of love in the book. Love of self, love of posse, and by posse she means the family, the friends, the close, those those who are around you, and the world. And she has received a certain amount of flack about starting with self-love. A lot of people think, no, 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 you start with love of the other and then you love yourself. But no, I absolutely agree. You can't start that way. The love of self is what's missing in those people who don't love and therefore don't know God. They have to know that they're loved first. She quotes many times, and she also has a podcast called Loved Period, which is how I found out about the book, because I saw, oh my God, there's a podcast called Love Period that I have to listen to. Um, and. Um, She uh, uses this um, over and over and over again, the best definition of love I ever heard. And it's from one of her seminary professors, the late James E. Lauder. He defined love as a non-possessive delight in the particularity of the other. 
Is that not beautiful? I'm going to say it again. A non-possessive delight in the particularity of the other. That's the best definition of love I ever heard. It is wonderful. It cuts through all the um, valentine and romantic and all that other stuff without throwing it away. It means that kind of love and all the best kinds of love there are. It's non-possessive delight in the particularity of the other person. And so this is her definition of love of self. This is your first task in resurrecting love. By self-love, I mean a healthy delight in your true, imperfect, uniquely wonderful, particular self. I mean an unconditional appreciation for who you are head to toe, inside and out, quirks, foibles, beauty, and blemishes, all of it. I mean seeing yourself truthfully and loving what you see. Are you up to that? If you're not, work on it. Work on it, and I can tell you just where to start. Spend a little time every day in God's presence, listening to God. And when you experience God's love for you, you'll find out if you let that in, if you let it through, that that is exactly how God loves us. God doesn't love us when we're good dogs, when we're fine little puppies that behave and do what they're supposed to, God loves us, warts and all. God loves us just as we are. This has been the biggest revelation of my life, that God loves me, not just good me, not just the me that I show to everybody else. God loves me all the way through. And God loves all of you exactly the same way. And that's the you that you should love with self-love. Not the best you, not the finest you. And you know what the best you is anyway, right? The best you is God because God's in there. The true self is really the creating presence of God that puts you here in the first place and keeps you here from moment to moment. And that's, by the way, another reason I know God loves you, because if God didn't love you, you wouldn't even exist. That love is what creates you and sustains your presence from moment to moment. That's why we're here because God loves us. God loved us into the world, and God continues to love us. So that's how you gotta love yourself.
And if you don't start there, the other loves are just going to limp along. You can try to love other people. But if you can't love yourself, it's, it's got no place to come from. Because the not loving of ourselves just clogs up that passageway mentioned in the We're conduits of love. And it can't get through unless we learn to love ourselves. And she talks in the book about how much damage we see in the world from people who really don't know how to love themselves. They may love the image they're trying to project, but they don't love themselves. And she talks about self-love and about love of other as being connected. And I wanted to read to you her description of the best of faiths and religion. The story embedded in these teachings across faiths and religions is we belong to a mutually beneficial web of connection, well-being, and love. And at the root of this connection is empathy. The result is kindness, compassion, respect, and understanding. When religion doesn't center on this, mutua this mutuality, it can become one of the toxic narratives that in the end dismantles self-love. The world's religions and the Ubuntu philosophy remind me that each of us is who we are because of what the collective is. Thriving is a shared objective, achieved when we love our neighbor, even the stranger, the way we love ourselves. This means that when our neighbor is hungry, our stomachs growl, and we aim to feed any, everyone. Again, does it sound like Hope Gateway? It does to me. It sounds like just what it's about. I used the restroom this morning, and there were some new signs in there that I hadn't seen before. Uh, rewriting of um, enter into my kingdom because you did this and you did this. And those things, you, if you haven't read those signs yet, read them. That is about resurrecting love. Standing with someone else because they're hurting. Because if anybody's hurting, you're hurting. She talks about the importance of fierce love being about the truth and about truth-telling. Fierce love isn't afraid. Jesus, when he met the, the disciples after the resurrection, finds them in fear. But love gets rid of fear. And the love that he gives them when he breathes into them is the spirit of God, the spirit of love. Because God is love. But love, just as we love ourselves, warts and all, is about loving others 
who aren't perfect. I mean, you could try just loving perfect people, but where would you go to find them? So we have to love people who aren't perfect. And that means we'll love people who will hurt us sometimes. We'll love people who are broken themselves and may pass it on. And so we have to be able to speak our truth in love. She says in the book, inside our families and circles of friends, inside our posses, there can be intense pressure to keep our mouths shut and just go along. The status quo has a lot of power, even when we don't like it, it's what we know. But con confronting what is broken or harmful or evil or dangerous is the beginning of healing our souls and the world around us. Keeping silent about what's wrong or unjust or simply uncomfortable doesn't change anything. So resurrecting love is love that speaks the truth. Again, sounds a little like Hope Gateway. How did we get here to where we are now? It's because we confront what's broken or harmful or evil. Because loving our posse is what we have to do. The church has been based on some bad theology sometimes, on some wrong messages. Jesus was the incarnation of love in the world. The epitome of that was Jesus, love in the world, incarnate. And the religious authorities were part of what conspired to kill that love. But it can't be killed. It can be wounded, it can be broken, it can even experience death. But love resurrects. Love brings back what's wounded. And as we've been hearing in the wonderful series leading up to today, it doesn't make the broken parts and the hurt parts go away. It just heals them and makes something new out of them. And she talks in the book about how that becomes part of us, the places where we've been hurt, the places where we've been broken. That all becomes part of who we are and who we have to learn to love. It isn't, it isn't possible to live in this world 
and not experience some of that self-judgment and and sometimes self-loathing. We all feel that. We all get it. But love, resurrecting love, takes what's heavy and a burden and makes it light. We all have baggage, but love turns that into something new. Not a burden that we still carry around, but instead a new heart that understands that other people are hurt too. A new heart that understands that other people need love to flourish and to grow. Resurrecting love is what got us here. And resurrecting love is what we're called to do. And we see the need in the world because it goes on. The response to loving communities continues to be that for some, it's a source of fear. And where there is fear, people get hurt. Where there is fear, there is backlash. Love is advocacy. Love is standing with. Love is sharing pain. Love is the opposite of indifference. And this is a place of love and a place of resurrection. I really do believe that love can change the world. And I'm utterly convinced it's the only thing that can. And that sounds on the surface, perhaps, as um, something maybe Pollyanna-ish, unrealistic. But I'm not talking about paper hearts love. I'm talking about fierce love. I'm talking about courageous love and bold love that stands with the beloved. And this love has to be for everyone and it has to be unconditional. And that's the work of love is that we start with love for ourselves, which for some of us may be the hardest one to do, but we can do it. And then we go to love of our posse, our people, our tribe. But you don't get to stop there. 
because if that love is real and it is fierce and it is resurrecting love, it has to keep expanding the boundaries of who is in. And there's no place that that stops. It doesn't stop with the worst person that you can think of. Because that's probably a person that hasn't got the first part right. They don't love themselves. Love can change the world. It's the only thing that can. Because God is love. And it's what the world was made of and what the world was made for. And every place it's broken can only be healed with love. And if the work gets grim, if it gets hard sometimes to love in places where love isn't returned, then you come back to your posse, and you sing, and you dance, and you tell stupid jokes. And you find the joy that if you have known the love of God, it's in you. So look for it. Dig down for it. He asks, what gives you joy? To notice it, to write it down, to deeply feel the moment is to cultivate it. To cultivate and claim joy is itself an act of resistance. It's a worthwhile daily spiritual practice. Joy will keep your heart pumping with love, your mind cooking with ideas, and your body jazzed with resilience for this journey called life. Joy fuels the resistance and resilience required to make a better life and a better world. Resurrecting love, it's what we get from God. And resurrecting love is the work we set out to do. Amen, Dodi, and thank you so much for that deep and thoughtful message. May we be up for the task of loving ourselves, our posse, and the world. Um, at this moment, I would like to invite us to reconsider and recommit to the Easter egg challenge that Pastor Sarah set before us last week. So if you weren't here, or you just want a reminder, the Easter egg challenge is um, a Hope Gateway tradition. We get through Easter and then we have um, a challenge set before us. And this year, unlike some years in the past, we all have the same challenge to respond to. And I think I'm gonna get some text. Oh, there it is. Take note of a place in your neighborhood, city, or town, or some experience in your own life that is inaccessible. Take steps to make this right. And those steps can include um, working with your posse, 
working with those in your community or neighborhood to make something bright. Um, perhaps if in the example that Sarah shared uh, where there were carts in accessible parking spots, moving those um, or speaking with a store manager to make sure those are accessible. Those are all things that you can do as steps to make this right. Um, starting, I think, next week, we will invite you all to bring forward any ideas of things that you have noticed that you don't know how to make right. And there are a lot of those. So get thinking, get observing, get cooking. Next week, we will start to talk about um, what some of those are here at Hope Gateway. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.